Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. I've hit the button. This train has left the station. I've got the coffee. I've got the Gatorade. I am ready to hydrate and caffeinate and all the eights because the guest today is an absolute powerhouse. He is a badass. He is a marketing leader and thought leader, and he is not afraid to work hard. He's also a fellow podcaster, co-host of The Grow Show. And I gotta tell you, he's really an inspiration. In his story, we'll get a little bit into that. He started out as an intern in his current company where he is now president of Abstract Marketing Group, Eric Watkins. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Huge fan of the show. Yeah, man. And now you're here. And now I'm about to pass you the thing that I passed to everyone. So one second here. It's heavy. I got to pick it up. Oh, God. It's so heavy. I got to get more arms days in there. Oh. All right, Eric, take that. Take Thor's hammer. You got it? Wow. Got it. Wow. One-handed, backhanded. One-handed, left-handed. Wow, geez, left-handed, man. That's some that's some great tries right there. That's great. So Eric, take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Sure. I have a good one here. Yeah. Uh, I believe fully that you should not have your referrals and upsells roll up to your VP of sales and that it should be attached to your partner success team or your account management team under that, directly under that leader. I know a lot of people say, well, they had the relationship and they brought the account in, but you know, I got a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do it that way. Okay, so where does this come from? Why, why do people do it the wrong way? Why are they just sort of rolling it up to sales? You mentioned the relationship. Are the, what are some of the reasons why people think it's a good idea? Sure, I think the first one is to not upset the sales rep. Because, you know, your sales reps are super important and you have some high caliber sales reps and it's a way for them to make more income off of uh, the deals that they bring in, keep them happy, keep them paid, and uh, ultimately, you know, keep them here for a long time, which you never want to lose good sales reps. So I would say that's probably the number one reason. Number two reason is probably because they feel they don't look at their partner success team as sales individuals. Well, they just manage accounts. Right? Or they just manage the partner's success. So I think they uh, really downplay the potential of that team and how they could uh, how they could be able to navigate and uh, turn those and turn those clients into getting more revenue from them and and getting referrals from them. Uh, I would say those are probably the two biggest things. And then the third thing, yeah, is the the relationship. They were the one who brought them in the door. But it, at least how our structures managed. As soon as you bring them in the door, they go through our onboarding and, and the sales rep's gone. It goes to mm. the success team and they're uh, focused on that account. And I hate when I go buy services or software and then the sales rep loops back in at the renewal and tries to upsell me on another service when I've been interacting with somebody else. So I think that's one of the, the main reasons as well is just like for us to have a consistent flow. It definitely can feel cringy when it's it, for both people, right? For the salesperson sure. and for the, the customer. Hey, I know I've ignored you for the last <laughs> uh, year, 
but you're you're coming up for renewal, so I'm gonna give you attention now. You know, yeah. <laughs> like everyone knows what's going on, and 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 I don't really know your account that well anymore. I mean, I've tried to get some information off of HubSpot and the client record, but I'm really out of the loop completely. But let's talk about you buying more from us, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I talked to your uh, success manager for five minutes before this call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're slacking right now, and they're telling me a few things that I'm I'm hoping to uh, leverage here on this call. Yeah, it just it just feels, ugh, you know, and it just distracts, right? It's that whole classic thing of like farming or hunting, and if you're hunting, it's hard to farm. And man, I want to get my spear and go hunt up woolly mammoth. I don't want to be tilling the crops, but if you'd rather till the right. crop, you know, you don't want to go get chased by woolly mammoth. So it's like two different kinds of activities going on. Agree, a hundred percent. All right, so, so we don't want, uh, I gotta say though, it was a hell of a steel man argument. Don't upset the sales rep, make more money. So what's the bad side of this then? Because that all sounded pretty good, like good reasons for, for doing this, having sales run it. Yeah, I, I think the, the downside is as a business, you it gives you two buckets of revenue. And so inevitably when you work referrals and upsells into your current sales goal, it just diminishes what that team is ultimately going to sell. Uh, you know, what, what I've found is that, you know, when our, when our teams have a goal and you build your infrastructure to that number, you will hit that goal. If you group referrals and upsells in there, they just don't get to the production that they would have gotten without it. So it creates some safety as a business. So that's number one. Well, second real thing, quick, before you get to second, that, let's, okay. let's chew on that one. Cause that, that sounds, it's like a lack of focus, right? So it's like, hey, you I, go sell these big deals and also do these renewals and these referrals and these other things. And as a sales rep, I'm just going to focus on whatever is going to help me hit that quota, right? And maybe it is these other things and now I'm not hunting deals or maybe it's the deals and I don't really care about these little renewal things or maybe, you know, it's like it's confusing for a exactly. rep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think you, as a business, you have to make a decision. So, and I, I'm of the mind that you could go one or two ways. I think you either have people sell and then manage the account all the way through. And then in that situation, obviously they would keep the referrals and upsells, or you say, you're a hunter, you're going to go hunt. We need you to bring new deals to the table. And then from that, we still compensate our sales reps when we have referrals and upsells that they didn't sell. Uh, just to give them a little something for bringing the deal to the table in the first place. Uh, but ultimately, that's not their focus because you have, just like you said, you're in the mindset of everybody always goes what's close to the money. So yeah. we're feeding them, you know, we have a, a huge sales enablement infrastructure, so we're feeding them new opportunities every single day. And we don't want them to neglect those opportunities to then go talk to accounts that someone is already talking to and has a relationship yeah. with. It makes total sense. Okay, so that's number one. Totally getting that. It makes two buckets of revenue. What else? What else is really sneaking in here when we do this? So all of our sales reps here internally, outside of one, two actually, two out of 24 reps started as a success manager. So what this allows us to do is actually train our future sales reps by intro dipping their toes in the water of sales in a really easy type of sale, uh, which is 
expanding current clients, but they get in the mindset. They understand how to put the contracts in. They understand the, you know, the, the back and forth that happens before you get a signed agreement. You know, they have in the success position, you learn all of the industry knowledge, expertise on the product, uh, how to communicate, how to ask questions, how to, how to dive deep, all in essential sales skills, but they never actually get the deal signed. So this allows us to really uh, initiate them into that process. And then it creates a growth path for our company where we can have our next set of sales reps straight from partner success. Smart, man. And then I, I could see that really empowering them when they, when they do go become a hunter to know what the hell they're talking about. Exactly. And setting proper expectations and not over promising. You know, that's a huge, huge part of it because they had to deal with it in the past. <laughs> Man, that, that classic over-promising from sales. Don't worry, ops can figure it out, right? Yeah. Just throw it over the wall. They'll, and then you hear screaming on the other side because they're like, what the hell did you sell? Yeah, they, the, the big quote I've always heard is don't confuse selling with installing. Like, yeah. don't, don't mix the two. And I, I hate that. I hate that. And, uh, you know, ultimately, it, what's funny is I don't really feel like, it's, I guess my only experience is within our company, but I don't feel like sales reps are oftentimes lying or over-promising. Right. I think what happens is clients hear or prospects hear what they want to hear. And I think the the bigger thing is sales reps have a duty to make sure there's clear understanding. Because, you know, because people can jump to conclusions or make statements. And, uh, you know, if you don't, you know, sometimes it's your duty to just, hey, let me, let me double click on that real quick to make sure you fully understand that. Absolutely. The, the power of the double click. Hey, I hear you. I, I'm with you. I don't think it is the sales reps lying per se, unless it's a car, you know, or something <laughs> else, but, or, or maybe recruiting for the military. Uh, but, uh, but other than that, you're right. They're, they're just trying to, you know, ideally, I mean, the best ones are just trying to help you figure it out and, and sometimes they don't know either. You know, I've definitely encountered some SaaS sales reps who just, they're like, yeah, I, I saw a product demo of this. It's cool. You just click, flip, flip a switch. It turns on, oh. you know, they well, don't know. Do, well, can it do this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It could yeah, do there's that. There's no, I and think then, so. There's yeah. like either I can or I need to ask somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or honestly, that sounds really simple. I don't see why we couldn't do that. Yeah. And their product roadmap is 19 pages long. Why don't we get someone on this call next time? I mean, don't worry, it's safe harbor. Don't make decisions based on what you hear me say. Uh, ridiculous. Okay, so so it isn't them doing it on purpose, but there is a step in there where we need to be thinking about that delivery side. So yeah, I could see where customer success can turn into some great hunters. Yeah, ab absolutely. And then you know, I think the 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 piece of this as well is that the I guess the third thing is we've increased our sales. So we've actually, it's not just we're selling the same amount of revenue. We've increased our refer, we've, and by the way, we've done this back and forth in a million different ways. We switched it back and forth probably five times in my career. And we finally landed on the best way to do it is to take a current salesperson and put them under your uh, EVP of partner success or whoever's running your accounts. So you get the best of both worlds. You have somebody that's experienced in sales that can help the success managers nurture these deals and get them across the finish line. 
Um, but you get the connection to the success managers because if you're not connected and success managers are just compensated on churn and not focused on referrals and upsells, it's out of sight, out of mind. And you don't, you know, it's not that sales reps can't sell these upsells and referrals, but oftentimes there's a disconnect between the two groups and there, there's not that focus and energy. So we've found most success with taking a person who can sell and then putting them uh, directly under who's running the accounts. And we have a bonus of the person who's running our accounts used to sell as well. So there's the, you know, moving people around and having adaptability is, is a huge part of it. Absolutely. And you, I mean, I know I mentioned at the beginning, you moved around. So you, you've I've been moved around these different places and experienced these different things. You know, I'd love to, to double click on the referral side of things. And now we know who's doing it. Do you have some lessons learned from the back and forth of what really, what grows those referrals the best? Because I know pe we've talked about it, but really getting those referrals to come in is, can be magical if you get it to happen. Sure. Yeah. First thing is, and this is an obvious statement, but needs to be said, is you have to deliver a good service. You should never expect refer customer referrals from anybody who is not enjoying your experience. So first thing you have to make sure that your fulfillment of your product is excellent and world-class. Uh, inevitably, there's a lot of companies out there who, who have that don't get a lot of referrals. And so I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Step one is you need a referral program. You need it defined. And most companies may say, oh yeah, we have this, but is it attractive? Like, does it make me really want to, because uh, I'll give you an example. If somebody asks me for a referral for something uh, and maybe we're not super close, it's not that I probably don't want to do it. It's just like, this isn't the most important thing on my list. So you yeah. have to find a way to take it from the people that would provide you a referral, but just maybe it doesn't seem worth the time, energy, and effort. You have to make it incentivizing enough. So uh, creating a, a referral, robust referral program that uh, compensates different people differently. So for example, you know, an owner of a company would prefer a discount on an invoice where a sales rep at that company would prefer a thousand dollar Amazon gift card, you know, like they, um, because they're maybe not compensated on the profit of the business or whatever, it, whatever it may be from that standpoint. So step one, robust referral program. And then step two, an organized system and how you ask for referrals. So okay. uh, before we get to that, can I just take you back to the, the organized program? Yeah. What's the different like gift card? Is there, is, have there been some magic? I know this is kind of like triple clicking or it's that force click that the, that the Mac has that drives me crazy because I never need it. Um, what, have you seen anything work the best? I know it's a blanket statement because you're saying customize it to who, who it is receiving it. But what, you know, is there certain guidance to like, what gets people's attention? Is it like just like a, a shit ton of money? Or are we talking about like, you know, Camping gear, like what, what are the things that, that get people to pay attention? Yeah, the, the number one thing that we've seen work is just a good old fashioned discount on, on the, the revenue that they're providing. And you keep it for as long as the customer you referred stays. So what you're creating as well with that is a community. So you have people, not only is, are you, you know, your client did you a solid and they provided you a referral. So there's a discount for them, 
And then um, anybody that they bring on, they're incentivized to help you retain that client and make sure that they see success, which sort of creates this community um, to be more successful. And then I would say some sort of progressive way to do it where it gets better with time. So one of the things we marketed is, you know, 10 referrals and you, we work for free. Like we, we will literally, you're, you can have your marketing for free. And that was really incentivizing for not everybody, but because everybody doesn't have 10 people that can close, but some people do and they're really incentivized by it. And then they end up getting free marketing for their business, which is super, super impactful. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So some sort of progressive element to it and then uh, a way to get them invested with the people that they're referring. Okay. And then do you, because I can see that being attractive for someone who's attached to that bottom line of what they're paying. For other people who aren't really paying the bills, their company's paying the bills. Is it more of like a personal reward for them yeah. as well? Or yeah. So, so that's something or? that uh, is pretty common sense, but we missed for a long time. And we've, uh, and I think the reality is we're, we're dealing with more individuals as we've continued to grow who aren't directly as, as, as uh, rewarded by the bottom line. So yeah, we've done uh, just a, like a thousand dollars, you know, it's 33% of what their, the first month invoice will be for the client that comes on. We ship to them in some way, shape or form. We've done gift cards. We've written them a check. Uh, we've had a website where they can go pick different swag like we'll give them credits to the website and they'll go pick the different items um but people tend to like the amazon gift card for whatever reason i think it's just a lot of people are buying stuff off amazon these days and yeah and you know you can get whatever you want with that right like laundry detergent not just (laughs) cool hat from patagonia exactly exactly um okay so we're thinking of both people and then I cut you off a little bit because once you have this program defined, you had mentioned an organized way of, of what, actually getting it out there, getting it into people or, or what's the next step? Yeah. So it, it will be as powerful as it, as the frequency in which it is brought up. So we have, um, what I really recommend for any account management, uh, assuming you have, you know, your, uh, the clients that you're working with around, you know, 50,000 plus and, uh, annual contract value that you would have a monthly results meeting. You would have a formalized meeting every single month. And, um, in that meeting, you know, we have on our agenda where we ask for a referral every time. Now we're not tone deaf. If we're having, uh, issues with the client, we'll, we'll probably skip that section. But I, (laughs) I, the way I, uh, have talked, the way I felt as a, cause I used to be a partner success manager as well. And the way I've talked to the team about it is I feel like there's no better way to know where you stand with a client and then if they're willing to provide you a referral. And if I ever had a client, so like my first question is always, would you be willing to provide a referral? Not, do you have any referrals? Because I want to know first, is it a yes or a no? Like, yes, I like your service enough to provide you a referral or no, absolutely, uh, you're... (laughs) I'm definitely not providing you a referral because then I I know exactly where I stand with that customer. And until I have every one of my clients that is willing to provide me a referral, I have work to do on the partner success side. Um, So bringing it up on every call, knowing where you stand. And then from there, it's really asking intentionally. 
So if I were to say, um, you know, do you, Casey, do you have a referral for me? It's hard sure. to think of like a, an individual that like that pops into your head of, uh, oh, this person would be a good fit. But I said, hey, Casey, we're working with a lot of IT providers across the country. Who handles your IT? Or, or do you know any IT providers that you're working with uh, specifically in your market and, in New Hampshire? And now I've narrowed it down and then a name probably pops into your head. So the, the more intentionally yeah. you ask, the more likely you are to get a referral. Got it. Getting getting really specific, as opposed, yeah, because because I'm like, sure, I'll provide a referral, but I have no idea who it's going to be. But once you ask that in depth question, actually, people started coming to mind. So we should talk after this. There we go. Yeah, send <laughs> just, send them over. Send you send over. over. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that on the referrals, solid. We have a solid program, and then we have ways to integrate them with how things are going. I guess one final question on that. Do you go the percent of the of the month services and the gift card, or it's either or, or how, how do you tend yeah. to play that? Either or, either or, depending on the uh, the the con the contact. But basically, the way we look at it, and and this is probably this goes. We haven't talked about the upsells as much, but this goes. Yeah, we can do that well. next for sure. Yeah, is, yeah, please. This is your this is your cheapest acquisition of customer. And what we, instead of allowing it to be a significant, you know, cause every, every customer we bring on, we spend about 1.6 X to acquire that customer. That's our cost to sale average, whatever revenue we bring on, we bring on $4,000 in revenue. It took us 6,000 to 6,500 to bring that client on. Uh, when you sell a referral, you have to pay the success manager the individual that we have selling, the director. Um, and, and so, but still, when you work that in, you're not quite paying that sales enablement cost and all the expense it caused to drive that lead. So we believe in passing a lot of that back to our clients. So, you know, they get a huge chunk. Instead of us having this super profitable um, sale with lower cost of acquisition, we actually just pass a lot of that back to our clients um, from an upsell perspective as well. So when when clients expand their services with us, we have what we call a P3, which is a preferred partnership program, and they get a significantly discounted rate to expand their partnership with us. And that's basically us saying, yeah, we could expand it and take more of this profit, but we're essentially going to give our cost of sale back to our client. And that's been really beneficial. And it's a great way to, uh, especially with what we do, driving leads for our clients, it's it's a great way to ramp it up and get them to see success even sooner in the partnership. It's very anti-greedy of you. It's, it's generous, man. It's sharing, hey, yeah, we, we could sharing. just take this run with it or we could foster this relationship. Yeah. And, and obviously there's something in it for us. We're growing our revenue as well, but I, I think we've sure. created a win-win a and it can be easy to, to pinch pennies and um, say, oh, you know, we could acquire referrals and upsells. We could acquire that at 70% of the revenue compared to 165%. And um, yeah. we just don't do that. And I don't think we'd sell as much if we did either. No, definitely not. I, mean, I being generous like this you know, goes around, comes around, and this kind of a thing that makes total sense. 
do you have a similar approach to the upsells in terms of, you know, having a well-defined program or what kind of magic do you do there? Yeah. So we have, I talked about the preferred partnership program and, um, what we actually do is we limit because it's not, it's not super profitable for our business. I just went through that. So we actually limit how many our success managers can sell each month. So they have the ability, it's an internal limit, uh, but they have, which sounds crazy, right? Why would you have that? And it's because a, if we sell too many of them, then probably profit gets a little out of whack and B, um, you know, it's, it, it needs to be, we want to keep it special and we want to keep it not, we don't just call it preferred partnership. We want it to actually be a preferred partnership. So our success managers each can sell one of these a month, which sort of creates the urgency and exclusivity, um, for themselves. And, uh, it, you know, the way we looked at it is if, if each one of them can bring in one a month, then that's the number that we need to hit. And then we'll be in a good spot. And if someone doesn't want it this month, then we just line them up for like, you can take the first spot in the next month. We'll just have to wait 30 days. So, um, you know, we've, we've done that, but that, that's our approach from that standpoint is have a really good offering and then, uh, you know, make sure that it makes sense for their business. Some, some of the people don't have the budget to do it. So it doesn't make sense to, to sell them a program that's outside of their budget. But for the people that do have it and have the bandwidth and have the capacity to take on more leads and opportunities, you're really doing a disservice to the client if you're not bringing it up uh, as frequently as you can. Do you, you know, we were, we were kind of joking about it earlier where you know, if you did it with the sales rep, they're ignoring you for a year and then coming back into the mix. Do you have a particular timeline you can share about what kind of preparation goes, goes into and leads up to an upsell? Because I have to imagine you're not just like, the night before, hey, let's just sell them something more and they, they just buy it. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, there's there's really two two paths. The first path is every month. So we have uh, what we call our director of strategic growth. That's the sales rep that we put over the account team. And that individual works with our 16 partner success managers. And at the beginning of every month, meets with all of them and they line out their top five opportunities. So these five clients would be the best fit for our preferred partnership program. We also have, uh, we haven't dipped into this, but we also have a uh, web development SEO product as well. So I, I kind of group that sure. in a separate bucket as well. Um, so they'll do top five uh, preferred partnership opportunities, top five uh, SEO opportunities, and then top five uh, referrals that are in process already. And so we just line it out and then we have a strategy. Uh, we come up with a strategy on, you know, there's a mix of why you would put somebody in your top five, the success they're seeing with the program, the size revenue of the company, um, key milestones. You know, when, when people close a big deal, that's a great, so that's kind of the second path is when yeah. people bring up, Hey, we're, we're short on our sales goal because of this, that, this, that, and the other well, this is an opportunity to increase the leads or, hey, we just closed a huge deal and then that's a great time. So I think there's events, there's key milestones that trigger and we're going to get a lot more intentional with those in 2024. But there's also just, I'm analyzing my book of business and who are the top five opportunities and what's the strategy um, to get one of these opportunities for this month. Man, so, so good. Is there anything I haven't asked you about 
upsells and referrals that that I should? That's a great question, by the way. That's a great podcast. I'm going to write that down for future. <laughs> Start future that notes. one for later, right? <laughs> uh, great. Yeah. I would say um, one question that people would probably ask is, can I just have the success managers sell themselves? So can I just have them pitch the referrals and close them and the upsells? And I would yeah. say, I would say no. I would absolutely put somebody on the team even if they can get them really close to the finish line, somebody whose full-time job is to bring the contracts uh, across the line because it starts to get into the, can they do it? Absolutely. It starts to get into their core job though, which is making sure the clients see success. And so it always keeps that separate bucket. And that's, and it also goes the other way where that's never their full-time job. So it's okay if I didn't bring this deal in because... I have a hundred percent client retention, which absolutely that they're a hundred percent right, but it's important to make somebody's that's their full-time job. Um, that's one of the mistakes we've made. So I agree with it being with partner success, but I absolutely think you should have a full-time dedicated sales person or team, depending on the size, uh, to get those deals in. Yeah. Back to that focus, right? Just having someone focused, good at it. They can have a conversation and it's not the first time. They're not rusty. It's not one yeah. of their side hunts. Yeah, it's what they do. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Sick. Do you, are you reading anything, any books lately or listening to any podcasts or audibles? Like where do you, where do you like to get your information from? Yeah. So I, I'm a big reader. I listen to audiobooks um, all the time. I, uh, in addition to that, I've really been big on podcast as I've been doing more of them. You know, we started our podcast, The Grow Show, about a year and a half ago. And yeah. uh, I just realized, wow, this is a quick, easy way to get, you know, if it's a good interview with a person with a lot of experience, I can basically get a book crammed into an hour. Um, but I've been spending a lot of my time, I would say, actually networking and connecting with other individuals, which has been a huge benefit to me. We talk, you talked about my story a little bit, coming up as an intern, growing within the company. The thing I lack is probably outside perspective and expertise. So I made a real yeah. commitment this year. And uh, I mean, as you know, with the introduction of ChatGPT this over the, the past 12 to 15 months, um, things are changing in marketing and they're changing fast. Yeah. And like, so... More than the, you know, I've read a lot of the leadership books and sales books and um, a, a lot of some of the more fruitful interactions I've had, like my advice to everybody else would be go network. It's amazing how open people are. And, uh, you know, there's so much business out there where you're not really, even people in your same space, you're, you're competing, but the, you're, you can still have conversation and work together where both people improve. Yeah. Man, so so good. Any any good ones you've been like you can recall let, should be on people's lists. Add them to the Goodreads. Yeah, add them to the Goodreads. Um, this is one that I'm sure, I'm sure everybody. Uh, I was late to the party on, but just for <laughs> a couple people out here who haven't read it yet, is a uh, hard thing about hard things. Um, mm. it, it's just uh. You know, it, it talks about, um, it's at, it's Adam Horowitz, I believe is the name. I like, I listened to it a couple months is ago. Is it Horowitz or, or Thiel? 
It's uh, let me let me double check. Oh, you know, you're right. It's Horowitz. You're right. It is Horowitz. Okay. Yep. I thought so. Yeah, and now he though. really good. Luck. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just just good. Like uh, what I liked about it is it wasn't all this like theory and BS. It was like this is my business was about to go under, and here's all the things I had to do. And I think it what I appreciate what I took from it and appreciated uh, more than anything is on the outside, all these companies look very clean and nice and put together, and on the inside there is. He talks about peacetime CEO and wartime CEO, and it it just really like sort of hit home of, you know, when times are tough or you're going through things, you're going to have to go to extremes to make things happen and make things work. And uh, that's okay. And it'll ebb and flow. Um, But it takes a lot to keep a business performing at a high level for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Great book, man. Absolutely great book. Uh, I could see you writing one at some point. Any books in your future? I, I'm i not a very good writer, so I'd have to have somebody uh, help me out with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe at some point, maybe at some point. But right now, you just tune into the Grow Show. You'll get the most, you'll get uh, almost all of it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah, dude. And you know what? My book came from doing the podcast. Did it you really? Know? Yeah, I just made a theme each month, and then I turned you know, what I learned from those four wizards into a webinar. And then I spoke the webinar to the publisher and then those became the chapters, the webinars. Oh, that's great. That's a great yeah. idea. So you don't have to actually write it. You just create a presentation that you, you're going to give anyways, but then it just yeah. turns into book form. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Maybe I'll, you've inspired me. Maybe I'll put something good, good. in the yeah, next yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Well, well, if you, you know, these, these are the sources, these are things that are working out well. And I, I guess on the, the same mark as, as, um, hard things about hard things, what's hard now? Like what, what are some challenges you're facing now that you are, you're excited to just beat up and, and move forward through? Yeah, I would say the, uh, to be transparent, the fact that AI will be better than a lot of us at our jobs fairly quickly and uh finding the you know our our people are really important and i i want to make sure that we are on the front edge of this thing so we're not in a spot where it's like oh we don't have any work for you because there's going to be jobs and there's going to be opportunity and you can never really see it very well but that's the that's the toughest thing right now is how are we how do i have i'm really pushing my team to get out there learn as much as you possibly can um talk to experts, talk to consultants, and uh, l- let's just be ahead of this. And I don't know if you saw the the email stuff recently about what Gmail is doing mm-hmm. with email, but uh, they're capping, you know, for people who do cold outbound email, email marketing, uh, they're really making it difficult is the long story short. But this was something that we saw seven months ago and made a pivot and change that was ex- extremely painful but now, uh, at this point, it seems like, you know, a, a brilliant decision. And that's what I'm trying to do moving forward is like, where, where are we, this is moving fast, faster than anyone can really comprehend it. It's growing exponentially. So let's, let's look forward. Let's project it as much as possible. And then let's navigate like our people selling business is not going away. People getting in front of new opportunities is not going away. Let's just continue to find the best ways to do that. Sorry, that was a long answer, but yeah. that's 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 the hardest thing right now is just this time. 
I don't think any of us, any of us have ever been through uh, something like this before. You know, it kind of feels like, you know, how it was for a lot of people, maybe when the internet first came about and, you know, it was kind of, I was a kid, so I'm just down for anything. Sure. Chatting with people online. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, but the idea, it, you kind of have that skepticism of, oh yeah, yeah, what's this all about? Uh, it's just silly and websites didn't help because they, they all look terrible. So, you know, I was like, oh, it's kind of a joke. And I feel like we have that right now with GPT where it's, it's helpful. But every now and then it says something dumb. And we're like, right. see, I knew it was dumb. Yeah. See, I knew it. Yeah, but at some point, man, the, the switch is going to flip, you know? And it's and then it's like, no, it's flawless now. Right. And you're like, oh, okay. And if you weren't like you're doing now, having your team experiment and work with it, then, you know, who knows what happens. Uh, just, just the other night, my daughter's in seventh grade, uh, and we were working together on some math homework. And this math problem, you know, basically you need to turn it into a formula, and you, like, solve for right? It was kind of sure. what it was. And I'm, and I'm like, here's the formula that you get from this sentence, you know? And she's like, how did you get that? And it's like, you cool. I have no idea how to, ex I've tried explaining it. So if I'm, I'm like, okay, chat GPT. I'm here with my daughter. She's in seventh grade. You know, please help me explain not only the, the solution, but how you get each step, you know? And here it is, right? It was great. It was great. It came back and it, it didn't just, it wasn't stuck with um, font. It, it like literally drew fractions. Like, oh, here's a fraction. Here's a fraction. You do the math here. And I was like, this is great. Now it did a step like five. It invented a new number. It added like 60 in there. And my daughter and I were going like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. But then she's like, dad, why do you add, why is the 60 on there? I'm like, that's a great question. I'm like, I don't think that should be there. So I'm like, why is there 60 there? And it's like, oh, she had JBT like, I'm sorry, my bad. I don't know where that came from. Don't ignore that. And I'm like, okay, well, this is mostly helpful. But you're right. I mean, at some point, a thing is completely helpful and we have to be ready for it. Sure. And it, yeah, and I think there that that's the pat. Like it's it could be longer than people expect, but obviously you you gotta be prepared. But the hallucinations, what was interesting, I, I was listening to a talk of with Sam Altman. And uh, Mark Benioff yeah. was interviewing him and he talked about how like people are upset with hallucinations where it kind of goes rogue and comes up. But he's also like, that's the that's the magic of it as well. Like that when they can when it can think sort of independently, that's where you really get the true value out of it. So he's he said there's this really tight, uh, hard to balance line of, you know, is it uh do you do you keep it very independently thinking or do you tighten it up and make it perfect but then it has no it doesn't really offer any opinions or um thoughts on things which sounds extremely complicated to try to fix but i'm sure that's what they're working on right now yeah like how do you fix that i have no idea but it, we can at least consume it that's a really interesting point because i was just listening to lex and elon talking about i think x now has a new ai too called grok right and they were talking about it uh, the idea of teaching it physics and, so that it wouldn't hallucinate about like laws of reality. And if it uh, could at least not hallucinate around physics, then you could invent anything because it, it wouldn't, you know, hallucinate about everything other than like 
this plus this equals this. Like there's no, you can't just add a number in there. This is what it is. So That's yeah, on one hand, you need that. But on the other hand, you I've never heard that, but that, that makes a lot of sense. You you do want hallucinations on the, the ideation side, right? Of like, right. Oh, what could happen? Yeah, like here's the problem I'm solving. What What would you do to solve it? It's probably not out there in the library of stuff. They're going to have to like come up with some independent thought. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm really glad I'm not the one trying to figure out that problem. Um, but you know, it it's helped us, and you're using it with your daughter's math homework. Like, there's some day to day use, and I think, I think what will happen is it will just make in all roles, it will just make the people who choose to adopt it. It'll just make the good people better. It'll just they'll become a little yeah. bit more efficient, and uh, like that's that for me really knowing nothing. That's my take on it. <laughs> well, no, it makes a lot of sense, and and I find it it helps me get over um, like writer's block or that initial start. Like I got to make a I'm gonna do a after this um, conversation we have, I got to make a slide deck from scratch, and I'm just like, oh, okay. And yeah. I haven't done this particular kind of presentation before. I know what it needs to go into it, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna be like, hey, make me ten slides, and then I'm gonna you know adjust. Sure, you know, it's like having someone in your team make you know start ugly, and then refine yeah. it from there. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about this. I can't remember even what I was doing, but I did the same thing, and I think it actually took me more time than if I started from scratch. But because of like the constant tweaking and everything, it was a way better finished product. So it's not necessarily yeah. just the speed of it. I think it's just, like you said, your your mind doesn't even have to worry about that first 50%. So you can spend a ton of time on taking it from 50 to 100. Yeah, it worked really well in process too. Like, hey, write me a process doc for, you know, creating show notes for a podcast. Boom. And then we have our team like, oh, okay, we don't do this. We do do this, you know, tweak it and change it. You start from something, you know. Sure. We could do a whole show on it, man. Maybe, I know, I maybe know. we just we keep the couple going on the grow show. And we just we do AI part three, and we just we you go. Know, I like it. We go, I like it. Go. I'm down for it. Sick. I'm down for it. Well, hey, who are you? Who are you? Take me back in time. How do you know all these things? Take me back in time. Did you know you're going to be a leader of a company and and on podcasts and having your own show and all these things? Uh, no, no, not at all. I would say, uh, I, uh, grew up in, uh, Belleville, Illinois, which is in the, we're in the St. Louis metro area. Um, and you know, I was, I was a leader my whole life in sports and different things like that, but I, all my parents were in education. My parents, my sister, um, uh, my brother, he's now a lawyer, but he was in education for a little bit. My grandparents, I thought I'd be a teacher, thought I'd be a teacher and a coach. And that would be the path I'd go down and uh, went to University of Missouri. And as I was graduating, um, my brother-in-law, we were on a family vacation and my mom was like, you need to ask him for an internship. Like you have to, uh, you need an internship this summer. And she kind of like pushed me towards it. So I was like, hey, Chris, can I have an internship? And he gave me a shot and I came into uh, Abstract and we were like 35 employees and like $2 million in revenue and I just loved the culture. It was not stuffy. It was work hard, play hard. And I saw the opportunity and every step of the way, every position I got promoted to, I didn't feel like I was ready. It was people believing in me and pushing me towards it. So I would say I never 
thought I could be the president of a company that's $70 million and 550 employees. Um, but Jeez, man. you know, it's just, I think it's right place, right time, hard work, good attitude. You know, it's a lot of luck, a lot yeah. of luck for sure. Dang. Well, a bit of a hypothetical question for you. If you could go back in time and meet yourself a couple days after graduating school, right? You are, you are fresh, fresh with that, that business degree. What would you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? I would have started reading faster. So I didn't read business books or leadership books. Obviously you do whatever you do in school, but on my own time until I was probably 25 when I moved into the director role. And uh, I just didn't like to read. Like uh, I'm sure some people do. I, I was not a reader. Uh, I'd rather sit and watch a movie or play a game or whatever. Um, but sure. I started anything. forcing myself to read it. Yeah, anything else other than reading. But I started to force myself <laughs> to do it because I was looking at it as a return on investment. I was like, wow, if, if this person was out here and worked for 25 years in this space and has all this knowledge and I can consume this and this could lead to me getting a promotion, making more money, like this is, this is investment, investment in myself. Um, so I just went wild and started reading a ton of books. But man, I would have, I would have even, you know, if I could have started that at graduation, I would have been that much further along. Like everybody who's graduating college, they're worried about what am I going to do this Friday night or whatever. Just take one night in and finish a book a month and your future self will thank you for it. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. That's that's great advice. Uh, would you listen to yourself? No, no, I probably wouldn't have. I'd probably be like, "Who the who the hell is this guy?" Yeah, uh, you're like, "No, dude, seriously, listen to me." Yeah, yeah, sure, guy, sure. There's not much you could have told twenty uh, one year old Eric that about his future at that point. I feel like, yeah, yeah, isn't that right, man? That's a, that's a good question. Well, hey, where can people, if they want to reach out, they want to get in contact with you, hear more about Abstract, get some help, get some marketing, where do you want them to go? Sure. So you can look me up on LinkedIn, Eric Watkins at Abstract Marketing Group, and it's spelt with a K. So A-B-S-T-R-A-K-T. Uh, you can find our podcast that we mentioned, The Grow Show. Got the sign behind me Grow here. Show, yeah. Um, that's on Spotify and Apple Music. So you can download it, check it out. And then our website is probably the easiest place to go. Um, A-B-S-T-R-A-K-T-M as in marketing, G.com. And uh, you can look us up, reach out, um, hear about our services. We provide really what we do is we, we generate sales for businesses. We primarily focus in B2B, but we do it multi-channel through web, uh, phone calls, email, and LinkedIn. And then we also do uh, some recruiting, at which we really just started because our clients uh, needed help as they close business to get more people. So recruiting story, our talent solutions, uh, division is really taking off. We do Salesforce consulting and then I'm in a studio. We have another studio over here. We have full video production, graphic design, et cetera. So any marketing needs, um, look us up. Or if you're just looking to talk, I'm always looking to connect, uh, with anybody about anything. So please don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service in any way. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Dude, Eric, thank you so much for coming on here. 
chit-chat about all this stuff. We got upsells. We got referrals. We got what to do. We got AI. We, we just, we talked about it all, man. We got it all in. I, I really appreciate it. This is a blast. You run an incredible podcast. You're an inspiration to the rest of us trying to, <laughs> trying to be a podcaster. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. I, you know, I just love connecting with people, you know, and learning the real deal. I mean, I really, I've learned a lot. And those listening, if you have too, I know you have, because I literally have two pages of notes front and back over here. <laughs> you know, I got, I got, I got my tips on how to bump my referrals up uh, and I'm excited to go execute on that. So if you're like me, share this episode with one person, nine people, 3000 people, whatever the number is, but put what your take is on it, right? What did you get from Eric? Was it about the upsells or, or that myth smash at the beginning? Don't put that under sales, put that under account management, put that somewhere else so they can focus on it. Man, what a good, good, great conversation. Eric, thank you again, sir. You are the man. Thank you. Appreciate it, Casey. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.